1: Listen to this. It's from an old student of mine. He's on death row. And as I raise my hand for possibly my final question, I hope that Miss Peggy Hill will call on me one more time because she is the person who has had the most positive impact on my life. Sincerely, Wesley Martin Archer. That's a good name for a killer.
2: Ahoy, uh, ho! everybody, and welcome to another Talking Simpsons interview. I am one of your hosts for this one, Bob Mackey, who is here with me today, as always. Howdy, y'all. Henry Gilberts. And today we are talking to Wes Archer. He was the very first artist to be hired to be part of the Klasky Chupo Shorts for the Tracy Ullman Show. So he is the, the grandfather of the yeah. Simpsons, in a way. <laughs> And, of course, he was on that show from Seasons 1 to 7. He went over to King of the Hill to be the supervising director. He's done so much since then. Rick and Morty, Disenchantment, you name it. Wes has done it. A legendary career in animation, and we are talking to him for an hour today.
0: Yes, we have so many questions. We, we pretty much split it between, like, half Simpsons, half King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. So many interesting stories he has to share about... Well, we have questions about Twister Mouths. It is asked. Yes. Like, we, we have questions about king of the hill and all the texas specialties you like, might
2: yeah. learn something about mo's missing tooth that appears sometimes or yeah. disappears sometimes rather <laughs>
0: uh, it was super awesome now we have talked to all three of the original simpsons yes. animators so if you, we got them <laughs> so it definitely go back on uh, you know in the old interviews if you want to hear our ones with david silverman and bill cop and also i definitely suggest listening to our ones with mark kirkland and lauren McMullen too we learn a lot about the animation side of mm-hmm. those shows
2: and we are doing this in tandem with the upcoming launch of Talking of the Hill Season 2 Part 1. That's 11 new episodes of Talking of the Hill, our retrospective on King of the Hill. That is only behind the Patreon paywall for 5 bucks a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. That begins on Friday, March 26th, and will roll out for 11 weeks after that. So if you enjoy King of the Hill, if you enjoyed some of Wes's answers about it on our uh, interview coming up here, you're going to really enjoy the Talking of the Hill series. We would have the same treatment that we do with Talking Simpsons, only for a different show.
0: Mm, And you can... Sign up right now to hear that every Friday, and you can listen to the back catalog of us talk about the entire first 13 episodes of King of the Hill in the previous miniseries, along with our miniseries about The Critic, Futurama, and Mission Hill. So many amazing Patreon exclusives at patreon.com slash talking simpsons.
2: And of course, you can find Wes on Twitter and Instagram at ArcherMation. And if you enjoyed this interview, please let him know. We always like when our guests know that our listeners enjoyed our little chats with them.
0: Yeah. And also, if you hear a cat meowing a couple times, it's uh, it's Wes has a very friendly cat, <laughs> but uh, it it makes the interview no less interesting.
2: Yes, he's he's beloved by all, even cats. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but all right, now let's give a listen to our chat with Wes Archer.
2: So we are here with the great Wes Archer. Welcome to the show, Wes. And our first question we want to ask you is all about the early days of The Simpsons. What was the atmosphere like within the Klaski Chupo studio? And what were some of your biggest, earliest contributions to uh, defining these characters?
1: Yeah, the atmosphere of the studio was a lot of fun. I loved it. It was a smaller studio. I had some experience working for other smaller studios, but, but I never, I never was employed at one of the giant places like Disney or I think, you know, Filmation at the time. Uh, There's one called Deke. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we could kind of come and go as, as we pleased, as long as we got the work done. So yeah. We could carry on and have fun inside and make paper airplanes. And whatnot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it seemed very small and scrappy because uh, this was before yeah. Rugrats and everything else they made. This was the first ma- major project for TV.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much run by Gabor Chupo and Arlene Klasky, and they employed a few a few uh, production associates. There was uh, Larry LaFrancis, Paul Germain. Paul went on to create the the Rugrats. Actually, Paul Germain started out as part of the crew from Fox hmm. with with Matt Greening. Yeah, um, we, uh, our producer was Margo Pipkin. You know, there were there were a few other employees, and um, it's a very small place. Very fun when we started the shorts.
0: Yeah, we had uh, when we talked to David Silverman about the shorts. He he mentioned there was an in joke in like a, a blink and you miss it frame from one of the last shorts of of Matt strangling Paul Germain. <laughs> I drew that. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's great. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> uh, well, also in those early days, like I, I was just rewatching some of the first uh, shorts yesterday and I was surprised how early, you know, the, the, the West Archer trademark of the Twister Mouth is like, I, I believe I spotted the earliest one was in the fourth short, Babysitting Maggie. What yeah. brought
1: that about? Okay, so we had one week to, to do this animation that, that includes everything from Matt Greening's little scribbly drawings <laughs> or big scribbly drawings. So we didn't really have, we didn't start with a formal storyboard or layout process. We just kind of took his drawings and went with them. And so it was limited animation. We had one week to do the animated, do the cleanups and everything. The twister map came about because I was just trying out something that was fairly easy to do that would have, Kind of an impact on the on the acting so I, tr- I just tried that out and i would i would throw it in every once in a while it's not something you would want to throw in there all the time
0: we prize every twister yeah. we see when we're, <laughs> we're watching it we're like ah, oh, there's another yeah. one <laughs>
2: it feels like they were phased out by maybe season five and it's also yeah. weird to <laughs> see
0: <laughs> it's become kind of an easter egg <laughs> you know
1: silverman had had the best really experience and, and talent for, for for animating these characters and he had more of a, a vision, I think, in his mind's eye of, of what it could be. Um, whereas I think my approach is more like making up stuff as I went along and kind of <laughs> see what's, what would stick, you know. But I was, I was like still kind of learning character animation as, as I was doing the shorts, and, and it was all very rushed. We spent long hours there at the studio completing these, but you still felt rushed. Hmm no matter how many hours you spent at the studio. No, any kind of animation is a lot of work. I don't know, except for maybe Roger Ramjet, if you've seen those old <laughs> yeah. cartoons. Oh yeah. You've seen them? <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. yes, it's yes. They're totally yes. crazy. <laughs> Initially, it was, it, I was told by Gabor, it's going to be black and white, like the li- life in hell comic by Matt Greening. Um, and like one minute <laughs> and it turned into color and over a minute. Um, the, sh- the, the length of, the links varied it got up to 2 minutes one year. Mm-hmm. How long is the longest short? Like mm-hmm. over two years?
0: I think like uh Bart Bart on TV or the I think the last one is like 2 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so we start I it started off with Gabor calling me in and and I and he said find another animator so I called in Bill Cop and it was too much work, so uh, we called in David Silverman.
0: Wow, so you were the first. You were the first Simpsons animator.
1: Right, yeah, because I was uh, doing animation for Gabor and Arlene for other commercials and hmm. stuff at that studio previously. Wow. And, and they, they they saw my short film, Jack Mac, and and we Go, and they thought I would be a good candidate to, to take on this kind of weird uh, alternative sort of animation that, that really had very little to – to do with stuff that you'd seen other than Matt was initially inspired by by the Flintstones mm. sensibility when he quickly roughed out the the family for for Jim Brooks to, to sell to sell his idea so as as far as the like influences went it was just slightly influenced by by classic Flintstones mm. but but not really i mean we were weird kind of we just kind of wanted to make up our own style which had some snap to it and squash and stretch and a limited a a, a smart kind of limited anime as opposed to something fully animated
2: and what are your thoughts on the shorts not being uh, made available officially i mean you can find them on youtube you can find them online but to date, there's been no official release and these are a very important step in the evolution of the simpsons
1: right i wish they would release those i used to have a vhs tape of all of them but that was lost
0: oh yeah the, the master's got to be somewhere Are you think in the klasky chupo offices <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i think i think so i think klasky chupo must have a uh reel-to-reel <laughs> master kind of three-quarter inch tape or something
2: <laughs> well we know where they that
1: must. is <laughs> they must in, in their vault
0: so after the the shorts the the show it gets turned into a full like 30 minute show and that i i know was a a big leap for 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 you and david uh who were transitioning from that and not to mention all the new folks like i i've seen in some histories of the simpsons in the early years that uh kent butterworth doesn't get the warmest reception but i believe i've heard you've praised him for for a lot of his you know knowledge he brought in the early days
1: Oh, did I? uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I was appreciative of his experience when he first came in. We'd never worked with exposure sheets or timing, timing out animation or official uh, having a, a layout department. So technically, you know, speaking, he was able to provide some guidance as to how to proceed. David had worked at Ruby Spears on a series, but not as director. We were kind of figuring it out and Kent was able to help us, but... Along the way, we kind of realized he, he wasn't uh, kind of sticking to the um, parameters of the style we'd kind of established. So mm. I guess you, you know about the Some Enchanted Evening. Yeah. And the, there, was a, there was a screening of that when it came back in color that was a debacle. That kind of didn't surprise me that much. I was a little worried about that. Then uh, David's episode came back looking great and mine came back looking okay as well, so um, the series proceeded at that point without the director Butterworth Okay,
2: and comparing some of the earlier shows, so we have been going over the earlier seasons once again, just reviewing them with new guests, and Uh, Last year, we covered Homer's Odyssey, and we just covered the episode where Burns runs for governor, and there was such a huge leap in just the growth of the show visually from uh, that first show to the first show of the second production season. Uh, How did that growth happen on your side? How did you and your team figure out so much in so little time?
1: Yeah, I was really proud of that because during season one, I had a lot of frustrations with some of the layout artists that were hired and turning in work and i was at the same time learning exposure sheets and how to do a storyboard for a half hour so i felt like season one was was a really big learning curve a lot of the scenes were patched up in retakes you know with pickup scenes and um some some a lot of fixes so i felt like when i got back you know to to do season two, I knew I knew what needed to be done now in advance. I just, you know, put my nose to the grindstone and worked extra hours to make sure things were, were looking good and we hired some better better people. And I, I posed out a lot of that stuff. I, I kinda figured out where we needed to do key poses and how to um tell the story in a way that would really make it sing and um the script were amazing mm-hmm. so uh, i wanted to make sure that the animation did justice to the writing so yeah when uh, the two cars in every garage and three eyes in every fish complicated yeah. title yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: we always just call it the three-eyed fish yeah
1: yeah yeah so yeah, Blinky. <laughs> yeah, I almost got a tattoo of Leon on my arm.
0: Oh wow! Well, <laughs> anyway, because uh, well, you introduced Blinky in Homer's Odyssey, and then uh, then did yeah, his did. The episode. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a lot of fun. It came I was it came back looking really great. It was definitely a step up from season one in terms of consistently good animation and staging
0: yeah there's three eyed fish starts with this pan down like a a really amazing like background pan for for tv for tv animation back then i don't think you'd have seen something that good
1: well i i mean the the script which was written by Schwarzwelder and sam simon might have mentioned that shot from the movie citizen kane directed by orson welles if not if it wasn't written in the script they definitely it was definitely referenced so so i was able to watch watch that and um you know kind of recreate some of those shots in our universe so it, it wasn't so much like stealing the shot but it was you know, borrowing it and adapting it to what what we were doing. And Homer's um,
2: Odyssey in particular had uh, some of the first big crowd shots, and that was before there were enough characters to populate the crowds with. So we noticed that over time, by the time you hit um, the Telltale Head, there were actually a town full of characters to populate the famous Simpsons mob hmm. scenes that we see in almost every right. other episode.
1: Right. Yeah, the crowd scenes were a challenge for sure. Initially, we let slip a lot of weird characters into those scenes. Matt was very adamant that those background characters should not outshine The Simpsons or be weirder than our main characters. He wanted our main characters to be kind of the most eye-catching characters. So it was a it was a problem when the background characters were too outlandish. However, like, some of them ended up being used as like Bart schoolmates or maybe the Momman was back there, so Hans Huntsman <laughs> might have had his origin background in background characters.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I I also was curious in those early days like it uh the number of episodes you directed is, you know, is so impressive but also <laughs> like I feel a little distressed like oh my god, like how much work and, and also like a lot of the directors in those early days it looks like you guys were credited as the borders on your episodes too sometimes. Like yeah. that could not have been easy.
1: Yeah, so it wasn't. It was a mm-hmm. lot of work. So, but but it always showed on the screen, mm-hmm. which was nice. It, you know, I knew that if I if I put in the extra hours, they weren't going to be wasted. it was going to show. So it's very gratifying.
2: Well, one thing we like to do on these interviews is ask uh, follow-up questions of things that we heard about on commentaries. And uh, the episode, uh, Bart Sells His Soul, has the famous Uncle Moe's family feedback extended bit. And in that episode, uh, Mo has a missing tooth. And uh, there's a bit of an argument on the commentary as to uh, who is correct. Uh, Is there a missing tooth on Mo's model sheet? It doesn't come back a lot, but I like whenever I see Mo on screen with a missing tooth. It feels like someone is getting away with something.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't remember what exactly the discussion was um on the commentary but I, I think initially mo had a missing tooth in his design and we didn't have a mouth chart for him and they animated the animated mo's mouth with yeah i don't know if it, it had like too many missing teeth or it, it was <laughs> cracking and then so we took the missing tooth out or something mm, okay how did that resolve itself? I haven't seen that. It's, in a
2: uh, it's only in that episode, I think consistently, mm-hmm. that Mo has one missing tooth on the uh, left yeah, side yeah. of his face.
0: <laughs> and you like it.
2: It's great. It's a nice little touch. It adds to his sleaziness. Uh, yes, yeah, it's not a
1: problem. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some real interesting stuff. I know enough when watching like your episodes differ from others that I really like. Like I I miss like in season two, it eventually got phased out. But I like Homer's wavier hair when like it's it's the smoother oh, M over his ear in your episode.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I think I was see I, when the series began, I was tasked with putting together the main model pack and Silverman was doing the main title. And we're doing this like as we are directing episodes. Jeez, man. So it was, it was, it was really pretty hectic. So I was, I was kind of like funneling David's drawings and my drawings and this designer uh, we had hired, character designer, Dan Haskett uh, who had like experience with a lot of traditional full animation. I was kind of funneling in, in some drawings from, maybe from the um, character design department. Like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so like Dan Haskett's drawings, I had to kind of redraw them more into our universe to be less flowy and less, almost, I want to say like less good. <laughs> he was amazing drawings, but they didn't look like Matt Groening's style, mm. you know? So I had to kind of, them back into our style and then like david's david did some drawings for for like turnarounds and i did the turnarounds and kind of pulled it all together but there was some problem with homer's hair (laughs) it started out like spiky but it was like floating off the head too far or something and then I think I went in and did a revision, but it was, it was too wavy, but then it already got animated. <laughs> and then we went back in and made it less wavy, but like, the, you know, like during the first two or three seasons, the model packs were, were revisited and revised and tweaked several times. And then I, you know, like later they probably went back in again, but <clears throat> I'd also done the mouth chart with, with the stretcher mouth where the, mouth stretches way over to the neck or oh yeah yeah and it's like it would stretch like to bart's neck and then it would stretch way past, way through homer's beard line <laughs> and matt didn't like that so it was uh, toned down because like th- things like like that twister mouth and those stretchy mouths they, they only look good if they're animated well or just like not too much and if 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 they're not, then it, it's just kind of distracting. So um, that's why Matt just eventually like outlawed those things. You <laughs> can't do that anymore. The Tracy Ullman short where they went to the aquarium. Homer had this take to to Bart where he had shark teeth uh, that I drew, and like Matt didn't like that. He didn't like the shark teeth. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, I was just kind of like trying things out to see what would work, and what you know, what people liked. So uh, eventually. We, we arrived at, at the style.
2: Yeah, he seems to be pretty vocal about the things he doesn't like to see on the show, especially if you listen to the commentaries. He will be quick to point out, oh, like, I don't like how this looks or that character. I want one uh, tier on this character. One tier. Yeah. That's all we want.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But those early episodes, they have a certain charm because oh, yeah. of they're organic, mm-hmm. kind of off model. Uh, wobbliness, <laughs> but season two was definitely a huge improvement that I, that I really liked over season mm-hmm. one. Definitely. I think I did five episodes in two,
0: and so the and the Halloween <laughs> episode too. Like, oh, yeah.
1: well, yeah, but that that was like leftover from season one. I think mm. At the end of we did the. I remember the Halloween, the first Halloween episode. Wait, did that air season one or two?
2: That's season two. It aired season in season two. two.
1: But I remember doing that during season
0: one i can see it being held over or taking a little longer for the for two i yeah. i also was i was uh, curious to you know speaking of uh the production side of it did you notice any big changes in the way production works when it uh the it moved in season four from Klasky chupo to film roman like did you have to tell people not to draw garfield style <laughs> uh well
1: no um when it moved over there um it was it became more organized um i think it was a little more structured so it, it was an improvement okay i think after season two i wanted to take some time off because i was kind of burned out and uh i took uh half a year off well for season three i think i directed two episodes then i took half a season off and then for season four i could i continued to take half season off came back and did two episodes. So between seasons three and four, I took almost a year off, probably a year off, and I I did two episodes at the beginning of of two and then two episodes at the end of three. I mean, three and four. Right. And then season five, it came back full. Okay.
2: And you were also the director of the second part of Who Shot Mr. Burns? Uh, What was it like to work on something so shrouded in secrecy?
1: Uh, Yeah, that was really fun. It was a big deal. It was, uh, you know, it was it was was an enjoyable episode, I I guess. The writer and the producers knew, and then Silverman and myself knew, but I didn't know. Actually, I didn't know. I was I was I animated several endings. Yeah, I think I figured it out, or I knew (laughs) after I animated all those various endings that I had. Like, were those ever released? The the scenes of like Mo and Barney and yeah. Smithers and everyone.
0: Yeah, they, they aired that in a in a, the next clip show they did in season seven. Yeah, so, yeah. one
1: of my favorite characters to to animate, to draw, pose out for sure, and Maggie, a real treat show featuring. <laughs> burns and maggie
0: you did a lot several of the big itchy and scratchy episodes that have to do a lot in different animation styles like uh you know what was it a treat to you know break the normal simpsons rules to do you know like a fritz the cat parody or schoolhouse rock yeah. or fantasia yeah
1: yeah, definitely yeah i did i did uh, quite a bit of itchy and scratchy yeah i i i've always wanted to edit together all of the itch and Scr- itchy and scratchy shorts that i worked on <laughs> <laughs> And I, I I would would wanna know like if that would comprise a half hour or more or what.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think probably by now there's like an hour of itchy and scratchy that you could cut together. Yeah. <laughs> across the span of all the episodes. Yeah.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would always kind of wanna take those myself for during during storyboard and layout. I would always have my hand in those hmm. so i remember uh, in itchy and scratchy land i designed the island hmm. that they fly to on the helicopter that you remember that yeah yeah
2: that's a great looking episode too
1: That was based off of this uh disney short where pluto goes up against this this jury of cats hmm.
0: oh that one scared the hell out of me as a kid <laughs> Pluto's nightmare or... that sounds right
2: so we want to transition to talk about A king of the hill we're big fans of the show we're actually covering the second season right now with one of our podcasts and uh, oh. first first up I wanted to know what was your transition like to King of the hill and when did you uh, leave the Simpsons to become supervising director of that show
1: so yeah after I finished up season seven uh, I was um, interviewed to to supervise King of the hill and accepted that position started Started that um, in 96, 97. That was upstairs from The Simpsons at the old Film Roman building. That was equally difficult the, <laughs> during season one because there was an animation boom where artists were employed everywhere. There was a shortage of artists and animation artists didn't want to go work on a, on a cartoon that was realistic, like King of the Hill. They... they <laughs> by and large, would prefer more cartoonier projects or projects that were more beautifully art-directed and the like. So so we had a difficult time staffing up. And initially, I think, it, yeah, we didn't have a layout department. It was all storyboards, but wow. it was kind of this weird hybrid between layout and storyboards where our storyboards were were drawn on animation paper at a larger size so we could get a lot of the detail, more of the details in there, and then the animation came back looking really wobbly and Hank Hill had these arms that <laughs> that would become short, like too short, kind of like didn't match his, his proportions and his hands were too small, he had too many lines under his eyes, his hair was too curly, and like the, the Korean animators would kind of veer off model in a way that that was distracting, Mike Judge wasn't Super happy with with the look. So we had to. Um, I went back in and redesigned the the model sheets to give Hank larger eyes, bigger hands, that sort of stuff. Take out some of the lines under his eyes. It, it looked it looked much better. Season two it kept getting better. I I mean that show really went out looking great. You know, it mm-hmm. went out on top. It, it just kept getting better and better. I thought. Yeah, we very, very well run production.
0: We we were thinking the first the first season of it there's there's flaws to see if if you look really close but I Mm -hmm. mean we we compare it to the first season of Simpsons and I I think King of the Hill is much more together of a production uh, for the first season Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I mean if you look you'll see like light switches on the on the backgrounds are huge or you know (laughs) weird stuff like that but um, people liked it Um, you know it was a hit and um, got good ratings and. We all got, you know, really excited about making it better. And it was, it was, it was a really, um, really good show, really. Um, it's kind of its own thing.
2: Yeah. And it seemed that you had a lot more boundaries to work within, uh, compared to the Simpsons. Can you talk about what the restrictions were in terms of what you could and couldn't do on that show?
1: Well, it's, it's just observational acting and you want to stage things more of an, at an eye level, um, where. Whereby you, you don't have a lot of upshots or downshots and you you have to kinda of, you know, just kinda of pace it. I, I don't know if it's rules per se, but um yeah, I mean I like a like one of the rules would be like don't have Hank close his eyes while he drinks a sip of beer. Because in real life people don't they don't do that. In cartoons they do that, but in real life they, they keep their eyes open avoid uh bending the wrist in gestures like scooby-doo which would be like you know (laughs) a rule keep bobby's feet on the ground if you can when he is sitting down so he doesn't look like a small boy so he looks like a 14 year old teenager Hmm. wait how old was bobby
0: 15 i think he's uh i think he's 12 starts as 12 and then he becomes 13 yeah Yeah, I'm getting him confused with Morty Smith. Ah, <laughs> uh, you've been working on <laughs> Morty too long.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> kind of I'm drawing Morty Smith right now, and he's 14.
2: <laughs> well, we have seen that really great guide, uh, yeah. the do's and don'ts of King of the Hill, and uh, very funny things like no high fives, mm-hmm. don't make Peggy too sexy, right. things like that. A very, very fun and uh, interesting look at the design of the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I had to do whole sheets about how people drink or hold silverware or that sort of thing. Eating... At a table in animation, if you're going to make it convincing, it's that's an observational and more realistic. It's it's quite demanding the, the, the things you have to think about, you know, where people's elbows are and their hands, what they're doing, the drinks on the table, all these sort of, you know, dressing the set. It becomes more like live action and we would get color, you know, back. We would have these day long color screenings where we would just pick it apart. Mm. We would watch it comment about where the orange juice was and where his hand is and you know this and that and from scene to scene to 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 make it work do a lot of fixes that way
0: yeah we uh we interviewed lauren mcmullen and she had had nothing but nice things to say about uh you as supervising director uh there like uh, you know just working with so many directors what was that rewarding for you
1: yeah it was great um there was lauren there was actually yeah we we I promoted some people from within. I think Lauren came over from Mission Hill. Remember that
0: series? Oh yeah, we 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 talked uh, with her a, a ton about that. I had
1: Cindy Tang direct. We had he Lim. She directed. Who else? Monty Hall, Dominic Valchino, Clay Hall. We had good orders for apps. We had like. Large orders for episodes. I think like, what twenty-four episodes a year.
2: Yeah, I think uh, for a while it was twenty-four.
1: Yeah, it was a very enjoyable production. <laughs> it's very well run. Um, after you know season one and two, it, it was it was really got up and running well.
2: And we know that the staff took a trip to Texas to you know figure out the characters and the look of the world. But you are a native Texan. How much authority did you have in terms <laughs> of defining the universe for King of the Hill?
1: Yeah, the the writers took a a trip to Texas um, before they they started writing, and then they had a couple of writers from Texas, Jim Dotreve uh, um, and Tony uh, Hardwick. I was, yeah, I who else. But I was I was able to. I guess one reason they they really wanted me on to supervise is that I had grown up in that area around Houston and knew just kind of had you know firsthand knowledge of what seemed to be a good fit design wise and whatnot. So I was able to pull, you know, from my own experience, some to, to, to help out with design.
0: When you were starting, like how much did you look to, you know, what had already been defined on, on the Beavis and Butthead shorts that, that preceded King of the Hill?
1: We, we referenced Beavis and Butthead a bit. You see, Mike provided, he had a, had drawn a shot of the four guys in the alley and the, the family, of course, We had this black and white pencil test that he and Greg Daniels had produced at a small studio in Texas. Now we didn't have a whole lot of artwork to start with. So we did reference Beavis and Butthead, but we we wanted it to look um, a little more polished than that. You know, it just kind of evolved into what it is.
2: And you were saying earlier that you loved working with Maggie and Mr. Burns on The Simpsons. Did you have any favorite characters to work with on King of the Hill?
1: Yeah, I, I also like Mo animating Mo. <laughs> we
2: we heard that he can never truly be off model because of how hideous he is. I think Mark Kirkland yeah. <laughs> might have said that.
1: Yeah, I liked Bart scenes. Hmm. Lisa was very challenging. So uh, as far as King of the Hill, yeah, I, I liked I liked drawing them all really.
0: Did you uh did you have like a favorite uh, I I'm curious like a, a favorite like action sequence that, like we just did the um the how to fire a rifle one the the father and son rifle tournament from the start of season 2 and that has so many just like great action scenes of yeah. uh, Bobby, I, I oh, the oh, oh the twister Yeah man. the tornado episode yeah. is
2: basically like the king of the hill action movie
0: Yeah
1: Yeah that was a lot of fun to storyboard uh John Rice did a lot of nice storyboard panels for for that I think he might have directed that one or was that jeff myers yeah he was always he, he was always like the best storyboard guy on king of the hill those those characters they they just seemed so real i mean there was just a a strange feeling you got drawing them because every one of them was so was so well written and made so much sense the dialogue was so good <laughs> It it really like it didn't matter who it was they were well written i enjoyed you know drawing them because they, they you know it was this great cast of of characters like a soap opera or so um it was a real pleasurable um show to work on a lot of interesting stories
0: in 2018 on your instagram you shared something that that i'd never like many people had never even heard of that the, the king of the hill theatrical short
1: yeah uh, so that the King of the Hill theatrical short for the Will Rogers Institute was one of the, uh, last things they did, I think on King of the Hill, it was the first like white, what was it? Uh, it was, it was widescreen. Sorry. What year was, was that produced?
0: Oh, I just knew when it, you had, uh, you shared it online in 2018. I'm not sure. I definitely in the late aughts, I think it was, but.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was late. It was like 2009. I don't know. I'd have to look at my post. I can't remember right now. <laughs> I storyboarded the Will Rogers thing. I timed out the animation on ones, meaning like one frame per drawing mm. more, so that so that it would look more theatrical. It was this this weird uh, public service spot that they had paid for. I think the entire spot was, is available on YouTube. they. Mm. I think the actual Will Rogers Institute finally posted it.
2: <laughs> when people found that they thought, "Oh, was this going to be a King of the Hill movie? Did we miss something?" Right, but yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, they thought it was it was like a clip from a theatrical movie or something because I posted it I posted the beginning, the first 60 seconds without the ending saying it was the Will Rogers Foundation a charitable organization. And I did that because 60 seconds I think was the only thing i could post on instagram so so that's why i cut off the ending of it
0: people thought there was a real movie where a <laughs> genie cursed the group yeah, it was out of context it, i think it was better with no context
2: dale is invisible
1: yeah <laughs> you, know, you didn't want to know it's the world <laughs> foundation so let's just let's just watch it and <laughs> all of its twisted glory about how the ufo had crashed into the white house and <laughs> Bobby is 50 stories tall and <laughs> uh, Dale is invisible.
2: It's great. And that made me think I mean, King of the Hill did so many great two-parters in its history, but I think there's maybe four or five of them, and they were so great in terms of long-form storytelling. Was there ever an idea for a movie or was that ever on the
0: board?
1: No, as far as I know, there was never a movie pitch. Hmm, okay.
0: Do you ever hear rumblings of doing more King of the Hill? Are you sworn to secrecy? Yeah. See
1: who knows? <laughs> I think it would be a success. Oh, yeah.
0: We went to
2: a table read of the episode Husky Bobby. It was a live reading for uh, uh, San Francisco Sketchfest, and uh, everyone seemed to be getting along, and uh, there was a lot of buzz about, oh, will King of the Hill come back? Mm. But uh, it's been four years since then, and I mean, everything is coming back, so you never know. I mean, Beavis and Butthead is coming back. They're getting a movie and a new TV series.
0: That's right. That's right. So you never know. <laughs>
2: I hope they contact you. Yeah. First person yeah. who would know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Wes, I also have a, a very random question from your uh, history, but as a youngster, I watched anytime Cartoon Network had like a new pilot on, and then Ooh. I see this one... Then I'm like, wow, this kind of looks like Futurama uh, called Fungus Among Us. And then at the credits, I was like, whoa, Wes Archer is the creator of this. Like how, how did that come together?
1: So, uh, what happened was I left King of the Hill to go to this, uh, internet company called icebox.com. Ah, that was there for about nine months and they went bust. And so I went over to Futurama to direct a, a couple of episodes. And then Futurama was temporarily cancelled, like it was put on hold or something. I remember Futurama was cancelled and then it got and then they renewed it later. Yeah. It brought back. So so after after it was put on hold, I was at Rough Draft Studio and I sold this pilot to Cartoon Network, Fungus Among Us, that they produced as part of their pilot shorts program. That was that was just, just a wacky idea I had that I thought would make a good series um, because I have always been fascinated with uh, trademark designs and logos, and, uh, also kind of its opposite, the microscopic organic microorganisms and, and the photography of small things you can't see. So I thought it would be a, a, good, a good show to have this, uh, mascot these chemical mascot characters materialize and fight these, these, micro, these small uh, fungus characters. And so I uh, pitched that and they, they wanted to do the pilot and I designed all the characters and I rough, uh, rough draft studio provided a couple of background designers and we animated that short there uh, with all Futurama people, basically.
0: No, and, it, it looked great. Like as, as a kid, I, I really loved it. Cartoon Network messed up there. Not, not <laughs> ordering that to series. Well,
1: no, I, I, th- I think they did maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe, um, what was the the one they chose to produce as a series? I forgot what I it was. I think it
2: was probably Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy and Codename Kids Next Door. That was that era of the early 2000s.
1: <laughs> it was Codename Kids. Okay. Yeah. Billy and Mandy, I think, was the previous season hmm. of shorts, maybe. But, yeah, I remember they chose Codename Kids. And I think Fungus Among Us, made, I, I, I made the mistake of presenting the chemical mascot cleaning characters as the main characters and the fungus guy mush, mush rotten as the kind of villain secondary character, I guess, Mm. I suppose. Whereas like I would have, I I figured it out after we did the pilot, but (laughs) like during the pilot, I could have rewritten it to be with mush rotten. And then the, he's fighting the, the chemical mascot guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yeah, like they could have devoured him.
0: (laughs) It ends with him being eaten
1: he pops back in his can you know <laughs> to strike again later hmm. but the fungus people are, are happy and well fed or whatever. Anyway that would have been figured out if it had been approved for series.
2: And when it comes to uh, Rick and Morty were you hired because Justin Roiland is a big Simpsons fan and also what was it like to work uh, under an artist with a uh, very particular style just like Matt Groening?
1: Are you referring to Justin's style? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So they wanted me to come on rick and morty for season one but i had to i was on bob's burgers hmm. i had to do bob's because of like financial reasons and so i turned down rick and Mur- morty but um but i can't i was able to come back see come, come on t- on board season two mm-hmm. when i was interviewed for rick and morty mike mendell the producer had worked with me on the simpsons okay and, and yeah, Justin's a big fan of this of The Simpsons, so they really, you know, wanted me on board because I I also had experience uh, with primetime animation.
0: Rick and Morty seems like a very design intensive show too. Like, is how is it is is it more or less design intensive than than a regular Simpsons you did?
1: Oh, much more because uh, there are actually art, art directors on Rick and Morty. They they bust out some amazing design work and and they. You know, this and the color, the color work on Rick and Morty is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's got a lot of very complex designs. So, as, as, a, as a director or supervising director on Rick and Morty, you, you don't have to spend design time because the art directors have that covered.
0: Okay.
1: The amount of design work for a director is a lot less.
0: And one of your most recent credits uh, you worked on Disenchantment was, was it like getting back into the Matt Groening art style uh, as director?
1: That was, that was great. I really enjoyed that. I, I really, enjoyed, <laughs> you know, because since the Simpsons is still going on into season 30 something now, I always, you know, part of my, my brain always knew that, I could have made like an entire career out of that one series (laughs) working on that. And and I missed drawing that stuff. So it was great to go on to Disenchantment for a year because there, you know, there it was again. I was drawing Simpson style Matt Groening stuff. So it was awesome.
2: And I had uh, one final question before uh, we wrap up here. If Henry, you have something else to throw out there too, but uh, I wanted to know, and I just thought of it now: is uh, was it your choice to be drawn into King of the Hill as a murderer?
1: <laughs> uh, so Wesley Martin Archer—that's a good name for a killer. It is. <laughs> well, okay, sure. But then uh, it
2: is—it is you in the show. It's a caricature of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. So they—they they asked, and I, I uh, consented. <laughs> and i you know i did have some trouble with the law <laughs> before I, <laughs> before i turned 18 or up until 18 uh, i was arrested a few times wow nothing violent
0: <laughs> you know you mentioned rick and morty i guess my last question was like uh were i i should have looked this up beforehand but were you involved in the uh rick and morty couch gag the simpsons did no Oh. no i was
1: not i think that was done while i had gone over to disenchantment hmm. the long it was a long gap between rick and morty seasons at
0: the time right now you got uh, 60 that, more rick and mortys coming couch. your way <laughs> i did
1: Simpson couch gags i did i did the um the one with the green monster with all the tentacles
0: Oh, that one's great! Yeah, I love that one.
1: I did the one with the two robbers carrying out the couch.
0: Yeah, well, I guess you know, talking about the couch gags, it—the first season is just you know very simple. One person just falls out of it. Like when—when when was the turn for them to be you know more creative and and wild?
1: I forgot. Was it season three or four?
0: Two gets a or- little of uh, uh weir- weirder in a good way. I think mine were all season two or three i forgot hmm. man well we we could keep you here forever west with a million yes. questions <laughs> uh thank you so much for your
2: time west do you have anything you want to promote like your twitter your instagram anything you want to tease that you're doing in the future
1: no not right now so okay. just, uh, <laughs> tune in to archermation
0: <laughs> i i did really like your archermation for halloween of a of a bart twister mouth a brand new one that was pretty I, nice I think, uh,
1: yeah that was just because i wanted to animate Bart. <laughs> you know th- i love the cintiqs and the and the ability to crank out animation now digitally. It's something that I've really grown to love. Hmm. Uh, although I miss drawing on paper, hmm. um, it's uh, it's nice to be able to have a whole setup where you can just sit down for a day and animate something and spit out a movie and add <laughs> sound to it. It's a lot of fun.
2: I've really enjoyed some of your uh, commissions on your Instagram, especially the King of the Hill ones. They're, they've been great.
1: Yeah, I get, I do, I do commissions occasionally for for people who want a king of the hill like ink ink paint uh image so you know, i don't do a whole lot of that but
2: <laughs> well the next time they're open i'll be available <laughs> to give you money
1: yeah well i can't do a whole lot of those i mean i, I am getting more into painting in spare time i guess i'll be doing more of that when one day i retire from animation <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, Wes, for your time.
1: Yes, thank you, Wes. Yeah,
0: pleasure.
2: So, uh, I guess it's this convict's word against my wife's. Now, let's see, who can we trust? Peggy, have you ever decapitated anyone?
1: No, I don't believe I have. How about you, Wes? (sighs) Have you ever done anything that caused a man's head to come off?